screen went down while I was uh, doing something and I could hear it going down behind me and I started to try to think, do I have a keynote for what I'm saying today? Because <laughs> I didn't know I had a keynote for what I was saying today. I'm thinking, I don't think I have a keynote. What's that? Oh, Stacy did. Oh, amen, amen. I was just, I, 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 what I had just decided is that the sound booth just wanted us to know that they have control of most everything in the room <laughs> from where they are, the sights, the sound, everything that you're, amen, amen. I ask you to uh, open your Bible with me this morning, if you would, first of all, to uh, James chapter 3. James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Brother John began reading in verse 5. You see in verse 5, it says, even so, this is talking about the fact that uh, you can turn a great big ship around with a very small rudder. There's a lot that can be done uh, with small things that can change the course of great things, of big things. It says, even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Um, probably some of you are real, probably most of you are aware at some point, that was a while ago probably now, but uh, um, Andrew Mendonza uh, was playing in his backyard, um, and as many boys have done in their life, he decided to be the master of fire in his own backyard, and uh, so he had started a small fire in his backyard that quickly... Uh, decided it wanted to be not a small fire anymore and started burning towards the house and then towards the woods. Now, if you go out to the, where the Mendonzas live, they have woods around their house, but they have neighbors that live in the woods around their house with them. And uh, so uh, they got it out. Nobody died. Nobody's house got burned down or anything. But uh, I understand it was quite an event. And uh, uh, so that which uh, was small when it started was not small afterwards. Um, it says, verse 6, the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. The other day I was driving back um, from West Virginia and it was a beautiful day, similar to the way the weather is here right now, just a very, very beautiful day. And I was thinking about the things that we had seen together in the Word of God while I was in West Virginia. And the time that I had, I'm not saying West Virginians themselves are sheltered. I'm simply saying that the time that I had while I was in West Virginia, my time was largely sheltered. While I was there, I had a specific single responsibility, and that was to speak every night at a conference there. Uh, the pastor and I went to lunch together every day at a wonderful little uh, bakery that served just tremendous soup and bread and that type of a thing. And, and, and our conversations were upon the things that we were looking at together. And he was a, he's a young preacher. Uh, really, honestly, just very much wants to grow, wants the membership of his church to grow. We had really wonderful conversations. They were very honestly Christ-centered. In other words, we didn't talk about um, political things. We didn't talk about uh, my opinion about this or his opinion about that. 
We simply talked about our Lord Jesus and how he's revealed in Scripture in a wonderful, wonderful way. And it was a tremendous blessing. And I was thinking as I was driving back about the responsibilities uh, that, would, that, would, that didn't go away in a very real sense while I was gone, although we have really uh, good leaders in our church and, and things were taken care of. In fact, the, uh, uh, Matthew came while I was gone and you guys did a wonderful job coming in with uh, uh, generators and, and shop backs and removing a little bit of water that got into the building. And so a great deal did take place. But what I was thinking is this. Oh, of course, this passage was on my mind. What is wrong with us that we would hurt each other with our tongues? What is, really, what's wrong with us? You realize that we could really be a help and a benefit to each other by the way that we speak to each other. And yet, as a rule, mankind is very selfish with their words. In other words, in other words, I saw something, you know, um, um, my daughter says, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. All I ever do is point out the, the things that are said when I spend any time on Facebook at all. Um, it said, our problem is we don't listen to listen. We listen to reply. It's like, you had your turn, now it's my turn. And I was thinking... Some of you here would really benefit from someone who would just listen and care as they listened. And see, we can do that. We can. But we're not prone to it. In fact, Adam's not prone to it at all. As the song that was just sung makes very clear, by one man, everything got really badly messed up. What's interesting is I realized as, as we gathered together this morning that in the nation that we live right now, what we're doing is seen, seen as odd. Going to church is seen as odd. Why would you guys go to church? And the, and the answer is because Jesus is the Christ. Because, because there really is a God. He really did create us. He created us with wonderful intent and purpose. And we messed it up. But he, he knew that we were going to mess this up. And he made provision for this before the foundation of the world, he knew he would come into time himself, that he would take on flesh, and that he would rescue us. And not just rescue us from the penalty of our sin, and I thank God for being rescued from the penalty of my sin, but rescue my heart. You know, we were having a discussion about the, uh, the other day I was talking to someone about the key concerns in the upcoming election. And I thought, the key concerns in the upcoming election are varied based upon the selfishness of the individual, whatever it is they want. Yes? I, I know before I was saved, I had a completely different understanding of what I deserved, if you understand what I'm saying. I just wanted mine. You could have yours as long as it didn't interfere with mine. Do you understand? That's not how God is. We're not even, even going to be here this morning. I want, you to, I, want you to, I want to turn your attention back to John, John chapter 1. If you'll turn back to John chapter 1, because what I'd, like you to, what I'd like to do is I'd like to help you this morning. I hope it'll help you. It helped me a great deal this week. I, I, must say, I must say, honestly, I am greatly encouraged about what I remember that God is doing in the world right now. I am greatly encouraged because I remember what God is accomplishing in the world right now. Not everyone's involved in it. 
Not everyone even cares about it. And yet God is involved in these very things. And he's purposing to continue to do these things. I believe he wants to continue to do them right here in the United States of America. But whether the American government or the government in America understands this, wants to be involved with it, that, that's not really the point. The truth of the matter is what you should focus on, what you should focus on is not what the television says, not what the newspaper says, not what, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've noticed it uh, since Friday. I can't tell you how many times since Friday someone has said to me this phrase, did you hear about such and such? And my answer is, no, no, I didn't, I didn't. And then they'll say, well, I heard blah, 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 blah. And I think, hmm, I wonder if that's really what happened, right? Does anybody, does anybody else look at the news that way? I wonder if that's really what happened, you know? Does the person that's giving me the news really know what happened in this situation? I doubt it. Do they, are they able to devoid their own personal preference from the way they express what they're getting ready to say to me, I doubt it. Right? I just don't believe it's true. I, again, I'm not being mean-spirited. I'm not being unkind. I have just found that people are very, oh, tell me this is not true in your own life. You're conveying information to someone. How do you convey that information? In the light that makes you look best. Right? The, the old phrase, there's three sides to every story. There's your side. There's my side. And then there's the truth. Yes? It's a remarkable. You talk to two people about the same event. And they are both the heroes of that event. Over and over and over again, that's the way we live our lives. But what I'd like to do this morning is just take a, just for a moment, I'd like to focus you on one word, and then I'd like to focus on the one who says that. The word is verily. The word is verily. And Jesus says the word verily 103 times in the Gospels. Now, what does verily mean? What does it mean to say verily? Truly, honestly, really. Um, my wife has this expression. How does she say it? Um, how does she word it? In all honesty, something like that. To be perfectly honest. To be perfectly honest. That's the way she says it. To be perfectly honest. And we used to give her a hard time. We don't do it anymore. You know, we used, to, we used to say, are you lying the rest of the time you're talking to us? <laughs> and she's not. But listen, listen. But we get, we're used to saying to be perfectly honest, or, or really, really, I mean this, or no joke, or whatever it is. And the reason that we do that is to qualify what we're getting ready to say as truly honest, 100% honest, and that we're trying to convey in all sincerity our understanding. We may not be completely right about it, but we're earnest in our desire to be right about it. That's what we're doing. Honestly, blah, 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 whatever that is. Now, let me say this. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. God doesn't want to lie. God doesn't need to lie. But more significantly, hear me, please hear me, God cannot lie. He cannot lie. So when he speaks, he always speaks the truth. He always speaks the truth. Whatever God says is true. Always, always. You may not like it, but it's true. If you understand what I'm saying, there are things that God says that some people didn't like the way he said that, if you understand what I'm saying. But he, ne listen, and let me say this. this. The other thing about the Lord Jesus speaking is this. Everything he says is true, and nothing that he says is for his advantage. Nothing. It's for your advantage. Everything he says, he, he came not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
right? By one man. Adam, Adam forfeited everything that God freely gave Adam, dominion over the entire earth. Adam, here's everything. And Adam said, I will do what I want instead of what you want me to do. And by doing so, he gave away dominion. And Satan was glad to take that dominion. And our Lord Jesus Christ came and said he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And people really think that when, when, it, when you read that phrase, he came to seek and to save that which was lost, he came to seek and to save me because I was lost. And that is true. But not just me, everything. Everything that Adam lost, Jesus took back. Everything. It's all his. It's all his. And when it's time, when it's time, he will take complete control over all of these things. But we live in an age of faith. We live in an age of time when you and I will decide whether we want to walk with him or not. You and I decide these things. He still is king of kings and lord of lords, but he doesn't have to be king of kings and lord of lords in your life. It's a free choice. You know, you are a free, every single one of you in this room right now, you are a free will creature and God will not affect your will. You get to choose. You, you do. You do. I just hope to help you to see today how wonderful he is. That you would say, I choose him. I was, honestly, I was not amazed that God was holy. I was not amazed that God was holy. Your conscience tells you from the time you're a child that there's a right and there's a wrong and that some of the things that I was doing were wrong. I knew that. But what I didn't know, what I didn't know is that God was on my side. Even though I had offended him, even though I had hurt him, even though I had selfishly chosen to do terrible things, not only to him, but to other people, it was his desire to rescue me from me. And I did not, when I found that out, I was so thrilled to realize that the God who I had offended loved me. I want to look at just a couple of things. So 103 times he says this. By the way, 30 of those are in Matthew alone. But we're going to look in John. Because in John, the expression is different in John. In John, the ones that are revealed are the times that Jesus said, verily, verily. So he says, now here's the thing. The God who cannot lie is saying truly, truly, really, really. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. But he is always telling the truth. Verily, verily. But it's followed it's followed by this phrase, I say unto you. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Or thee, depending upon whether it's plural or not. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Or verily, verily, I say unto you. And what he's doing is this. He's drawing a contrast between everything anybody else has said to you and what he says to you. Because just like today, in the day that he came, the world was full of religious confusion and social misunderstanding. And you can understand, and I can understand, if I'll just trust what God says to me. You can really know, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. This is God's desire. Let's look at just a couple of them. Beginning in chapter 1, verse 51. Chapter 1, verse 51. Jesus is revealing himself in chapter 1, verse 51. Uh, to those, this is, they have just begun to assemble around him. Uh, the, the disciples, they have heard, Behold the Lamb of God, uh, which taketh away the sin of the world. And they have gathered around him, and they have asked him uh, specific questions about what's going on. They've brought others. Let me, let me just say this. I'm not going to go into this. I don't have time to go into it. The very first two people that approach Jesus after John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God, they approach the Lord Jesus 
They're walking toward him. He stops and turns to them and says, basically, what is it that you want? What, what seek ye? What are you looking for? And they said, where do you dwell? Where do you, where do you live? We want to know about you. And this is his answer. Please hear me. Come and see. See, the problem with America is this. So many people's relationship with God is a spoon-fed relationship by some religious authority in their life. Do you understand? Listen, it, I, I promise you, it would be easy, easy, it is easy, for anybody with any, any real ability with the English language, with any charisma, to be able to convince, if you listen to them for an hour, like you're you know, doing right here, I should be able to convince you of almost anything in an hour, if you understand what I'm saying. The problem is, if I can convince you in an hour, somebody else can convince you of something else after that. Do you understand? That's not good for you. The reason that the Bereans were commended when Paul preached is because they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were true or not. In other words, Paul, who had no desire to lie to them any more than I have a desire to lie to you, they still listened to what Paul said, but they went back and said, does that passage actually say what he said it says? And they looked themselves because, listen, it matters that you believe the word of God, not the preacher. My only desire, listen, I'm telling you, my only desire is for you to have the joy, the joy that comes from having your sins forgiven, knowing the fullness of the glory, the goodness, the grace, and the power of God. That's my only desire. That's literally my only desire. It's all I ever want for any of you and for all of you is that you would trust the Lord Jesus Christ because he's worthy of you trusting him. But go and see. Those that followed him, they went to get others and said, we, we found the Christ. They were amazed. I mean, the Christ has been, we've been told the Christ was coming for a long time. He's here in our generation right now. The Christ is on the earth. And when they said that, the ones that they said come, they said, nah, I don't know. And this was their response. What was their response? Come and see. You don't have to believe me. You come. You look at him. You talk to him. You listen to him. You, you decide. You decide. You decide. You decide. Tuesday, you're going to make a decision. You're going to vote or you're not going to vote. And then if you vote, you're going to make a decision about who you're going to vote for. You understand? Now, let me tell you this. You don't have to vote for Jesus because he is the king and king and Lord of the lords. He is that. But you have to decide whether you're going to go see him or not. You're going to have to decide. Please, I mean, I beg you, please don't just take my word for this. Here's the beginning. Those that came to see him. 51. And he said unto them, the Lord Jesus spoke to those that had come to see. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you, you see it's plural here. Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. At the very beginning of our Lord's ministry, he expresses that he has heavenly access and authority at the very beginning. Let's get this out of the way. He says at the very beginning, I'm here on earth. I'm here on earth, but I still have the authority of heaven. And you, if you will spend time with me, you will see heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the son of man. I have come to take away your sin, but I am still the almighty God. Amen. From the very beginning, he doesn't hide this before his disciples. He literally tells them from the very beginning, I am the Messiah, and you're going to see marvelous things. Praise God. That's it. You will see marvelous things. But what I, and I, and I, I need to go quickly because there are things that I want you to see, and I want you to go back and look at them yourself later and just, just, just rejoice in, in, the, in the veracity and the significance of these things yourself. The second thing I want you to do, turn to chapter 3. 
John chapter 3. Now, most of you are familiar with John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to an extremely gifted, talented, educated, religious man. Okay? It's, verse 1 says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. We're, listen, honestly, look up here. We are really talking about a top-shelf man. We are talking about a top-shelf man. Do you understand? We, we have, a, very, we have a, a pretty significant disdain, most Americans do right now, for politicians because of the fact that we think if their lips are moving, they're lying, right? But there are some statesmen, there are some statesmen and women who, who are actually doing what they're doing, at least when they began, for the sake of helping other people. The same thing is true of many teachers. There's, there's much that's, that's, that, that, that is forced upon our children that isn't, that isn't true, but the people that go to do it, that's not their desire. You know, my wife, my wife uh, that's, what, that's what her undergraduate degree was in. It was her desire to be a teacher, and it was her desire to be a help to the children that, that heard what she said. Nicodemus is here, educated, capable, uh, just tremendously able, and it's his desire to help Israel. Now, by the way, the rest of the people that are in religious authority are angry with Jesus because they're going to lose their place. But he's not angry about this. He just doesn't know for sure. And so he goes by night. He's afraid. He's afraid of what they're going to say and what they're going to do. But he thinks, i got to take a closer look at Jesus. i got to take a closer look at Jesus. And he starts by saying, you'll notice it says in uh, um, verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, here's, an, here's another, verily, 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 I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Destru listen, listen, discussing salvation with an unsaved person is like talking about color to a blind person. It just is. And I know this because I was the blind person. I was the blind person when people said things to me about things having to do. Listen, all I heard was this is Christian religious words. Is it still happening? I hear a voice somewhere. Okay. Um, you know, it's funny. It's a, it was a woman's voice. So it's like my wife is telling me to do something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus says, listen, Nicodemus, please hear me, please hear me. Please, please, please hear me. Education won't show you the kingdom of God. Religion won't show you the kingdom of God. Human effort won't show you the kingdom of God. You must be born again. You must be born again. Now, his first verily, verily is while I'm with you, you will know that I am God. His second verily, verily is, by your own strength, you're not even going to be able to see the kingdom of God. You're going to have to have God make a change in your life. If you want to know how that change is made, go back to John chapter 1. Begin reading early in John chapter 1. And all you have to do, literally all you have to do, is, is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will give you, it says, and he will give you the power, the exousia, that's the authority, to become a child of God. He will make you a new creature. And, the, and by the way, there are many, many, many around you who are not playing church who truly are new creatures. And if you're playing church, please, I beg you, stop. 
Nicodemus was playing church. By the way, Nicodemus leaves this conversation still unsaved, but he's saved by the end of the Gospels because he believes to a degree. Listen, what he believes is this. I believe Jesus is not lying to me. I believe that Jesus is not lying to me. Then what he starts to do is he starts to compare what other religious authorities are saying compared to what Jesus is saying. He says, you know what? I believe that everything that they're saying, they can't help it, but they're saying it selfishly, but he's not, right? How many times is the testimony of the Lord Jesus, he spake as no man? He, they couldn't, every time they tried to trap him, they would give him these, these bizarre, weird, no way out questions, and he would answer them, and everybody would say, you didn't expect that, did you? You didn't expect that, did you? Because, see, they weren't really interested in the truth. They just wanted to make him look bad to one group or the other group. They just wanted to make him look bad. But he, all, he never had any reason to want to make himself look good to begin with. All he wanted to do was help those that were around him. All he wanted to do was rescue them from themselves. So many times he said to those who were attacking him, if you'd let me, I'd rescue you. If you were blind, I could give you sight. I would love to. When, when, uh, when Judas is going to betray him, he, he eats with Judas. And he knew he was going to betray him. It's remarkable. So you see in chapter 3, uh, John chapter 3, you see that uh, Jesus is telling you man naturally is unable to even see heaven and heavenly things. Never mind access them. But our Lord Jesus is capable of bringing these things into your life and in my life. And he has. And I thank the Lord for that. Now turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. In verse 24. John chapter 5, verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Our Lord Jesus, it's just tremendous. Jesus promises that faith in the word of God changes everything for you. That's what he says. He promises. If Listen, I'm t- I, I don't know how to say it. I really don't know how to say it any, with any more emphasis without me sounding like I'm ranting. And I don't want to rant. I'd like you to understand, if you'll just believe what God says, if you'll, if you'll just believe what God says, it will change your life. That's, that's not my promise. That's what Jesus promises. That's what he says, right? He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ did not come to the world to judge and condemn the world. He came to set us free because God loves us so much. I'm, listen, I'm sorry that you've been raised in an America that rejects this. I'm sorry that you have. I, I truly am sorry that we live in such a world that the things that I would say would sound unpopular to some, or worse, they would sound like lunacy to some. I'm sorry that that's true. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything. The same God that created the grass and the trees and the, and the rabbits running around outside, the same God that created all of these things loves you. Loves you. And wants to free you, ironically, from you. 
Amen? What, and what a freedom, and what a freedom it is to be freed from me. What a tremendous freedom it is. But, in, but, but after this promise in chapter 8, turn to chapter 8, he makes another statement, another verily, verily, that's really significant in the light of the promise that he just made. In 8.34, turn to chapter 8 and verse 34. I realize we're rushing through these quickly. I understand that this is, uh, uh, that this, you know, we're kind of racing through different verses, but I need you to see them, and I don't want you to have to be here all morning. Uh, chapter 4, 8.34, <clears throat> Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen? Now listen, in the context, in the context, he's speaking to the religious authority in Israel who are saying, we have the truth. And this is what he's saying. No, you don't, because you're trapped in your own sins. Do you understand? This, this is it. So Jesus promised in the last passage we looked at that faith in the word of God changes everything for you. But Jesus warns in this passage that without faith in Christ, nothing really changes. Do you understand? You can go to church and nothing really changes. You can. You can get baptized and nothing really changes. You can join the church, tithe, give to missions, and unless you have trusted Christ, nothing really changes. And you want to know what happens? There's no change in the sin in your life. You are still bound by the same things that, that, that bound you before. Here's what happens. Listen, here's what happens. They're called hypocrites, right? This is, it's called hypocr hypocrisy. We all have met them. God knows maybe we were them at some point in our life. People who went to church and pretended. It's only an hour. Surely I can pretend for an hour, right? All you got to do is be nice, smile, shake hands. Jesus, Bible, right? That's all you got to do. Everybody's like, man, thanks, brother. It's wonderful to have you with us. You can have sin the rest of the week if you want to. Do you understand? Nothing's changed. That's what Jesus is saying. You're not free. You're not free. If Jesus makes you free, guess what? Praise God, you're free. Yeah? He breaks the power of canceled sin. He breaks that bondage over your life. You no longer must be selfish anymore because Jesus set you free. If you're not free, you're not free. Don't lie about it. Jesus didn't come to give you religion. Jesus didn't come so you'd go to church on Sunday. Jesus came to set you free. And he's the only one that can. But I promise you, and I, and I mean this with all my heart, this is my testimony. I mean, with all of my soul, this is my testimony. I had everything before, I, literally, I had everything I wanted before I was saved. And when Jesus saved me, it changed everything. It changed. I was 22 years old. It changed literally my, my entire understanding of everything. My, you know, the way, the way I would vote, the way I would, do, the way I would do everything was changed when Christ changed my heart. Everything was changed. I didn't change any of it. You understand? Church didn't change any of it. Jesus changed every bit of it. 
I didn't go into the ministry to be a preacher. I really didn't. I had, I've, I had no desire to do what I'm doing right now. I was content to continue to be an electrical engineer, teach Sunday school if they wanted to, go to the, you know, go, like Chris, go to the jail, the union mission, the brig. I would do whatever. God called me to do what I'm doing right now. That's the only reason that I'm doing it. But while I'm doing it, the, what I want you to know is this. Jesus will set you free. And if you're not free, stop lying about it. You're only hurting yourself. And by the way, everybody you love is hurt when you lie about it. We're almost done. Turn to John chapter 12. By the way, we are just scratching the surface of these, and we are not looking at anywhere near all of them. Obviously, I told you that there were a hundred and something of these. But I want you to see the ones that we have an opportunity to look at together right now. Uh, John chapter uh, 12 Beginning in verse 24. <laughs> and let me say this. Look up here. This one right here loses many Christians. 12:24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, what he's showing us, what he's showing us is how he's going to save us. He's going to lay down his life and bring forth much fruit. But you know what? You and I can lay down our lives and he can use your life and my life. And it's amazing that he could use your life and my life. But he can use your life and my life if we'll lay them down to bring forth much fruit now. Isn't that amazing? You can be involved in God bringing forth much fruit if you'll just stop having your own life. Now, let me say this. this is, we're not talking about your salvation here. There are many people who are truly born again who will not die to themselves. And therefore, they cannot truly serve God. Because, listen, you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot have your way and God's way. I, and trust me, I've tried. Haven't, haven't we all? Yes? This is the answer. Surely, Lord, we can work out a percentage deal here. Right? Right? The, the, the hymn that says, I surrender all, every time we sing that hymn, I think, liar, not you, me, right? I surrender some, I surrender most, I surrender almost nothing this week, whatever, you know, however you got to sing it to be honest, right? Amen? Jesus promises you, listen, if you care less about your life and more about the people around you, to let him have control. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. And by the way, it's reasonable service. Because of everything that he's done, he says, listen, I don't need your talent. I don't need your ability. I just want you to let me have the body. Give me your body. I'll do a better job with it than you are doing right now. Let me walk and talk to people. Let me use you to be a help and a blessing to other people, but you're going to have to lay down your life and die. Now, he tells us he's going to do that right here, but if you turn to chapter 13, turn to the next chapter, and, we, and, we're, and we're going to you know, move through these quickly. Chapter 13, verse 16. Chapter 13, verse 16. Verily, verily, I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation, and he was God. Yes? 
He made himself of no... In other words, he humbled himself, became completely obedient to the will of his father as a man now. He said, Father, you and I are completely... He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, right? Because he was God. So he knew he was God. But right now, I am also a man. And therefore, I will not do my own will at all, right? I have meat to eat that you know not of, and that is just to do the will of my father. I come to do thy will, O my God. Thank God Jesus had this attitude. Honestly, you really made to thank God, otherwise you got no salvation. Because otherwise no one lives a perfect life. Jesus perfectly fulfills the will of God, and then he says to you and I, you, you, in the same way the Father has sent me, I send you the same way. Let me run your life. Let me run your life. By the way, let me say this. You don't have to. Again, what's funny is this. The same way you were saved by your free will, your service will be by free will. It will be. There's a reason why in the book of Revelation it talks about receiving crowns for the things that you've done in the body. And here's what happens. The crowns you will receive because you were a willing participant in these things being done. And yet you find that after you receive the crown, what do we all do with the crowns? We cast them at his feet. Now here's a, here's a, here's a powerful truth. A crown looks better at Jesus' feet than it does on your head. Isn't that amazing? A crown looks more appropriate at Jesus' feet than it does. And you know it. Here's your rewards. For, thank you for saying yes, for being involved in the things that I wanted to do. I was able to use your body. I was able to use your life. I'm so glad. Thank you for doing that. And you say, thank you, Lord. But you, we all know that you worked in me both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Here, you can have this back. Because if it was good and it was done in my life, you did it. But I was glad to be there. You're right, I was there. I saw it. I watched it happen. You used my mouth. I said some nice things. I did some good things. It was wonderful. I, it was happy. I was happy. Yes? Amen? It is the testimony of a serving Christian to rejoice in the goodness of God, not the goodness of themselves. Whenever you find someone bragging about their service, they don't have any. Because if you're really a servant of God, you don't need to brag. Your, your joy is not in that. Your joy is that Christ is honored and glorified. And the good that the others receive thrills your heart. We're almost done. Go to chapter 13. We're in chapter 13. Go to verse 21. I'm going to read two of them in a row. Chapter 13, verse 21. Verily, verily, excuse me, Jesus, when Jesus had, had said thus, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. He's speaking of Judas, who's going to betray him. Go down a few verses to verse 38. Peter's all, Peter's all cocky, right? Peter's all excited about how great he is. And he says, um, he's, even if all the rest of the disciples betray and run away, he's not going to. He's going to stand by Jesus. And Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. What I want you to notice from this is that Jesus reveals that he has perfect understanding and he still loves us. Let me tell you this. He still loved Judas while Judas was betraying him. He still loved Judas. When he's, he's washed, he washes Judas' feet just like everybody else's just before Judas goes to betray him. And I promise you, I promise you that in washing Judas' feet, Judas, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do this. I'll rescue you right now if you'll just let me rescue you right now. And Judas does it anyway. And Jesus knows that he's going to do it. And by the way, his disciples are all going to run away. Again, why do his disciples run away? And the answer is because they're selfish. 
right? Why do we do anything? Because we're selfish. That's why we do these things. And yet he knows these things about us. And this is his promise. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Do you deserve to be left? I tell you what, has anybody else ever given up on you? People give up on each other pretty quickly. Thank God Jesus doesn't. Chapter 14, we're almost done. I know I keep saying that, but I mean it. I do, I really mean it. There's a lot more chapters left than we're going to look at. So, But I, I, I want you to see these things, and I think they'll be a help to you. If you're just writing them down and you can look at them later, it will be a great help to you. Chapter 14, verse 12. Because here's a wonderful, wonderful thing about the fact that Jesus still loves us. This is the promise. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. So we already talked about that. The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than thee shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So listen, he now will work through us. He promises. He promises. What, listen, hear me. Please hear me. What is the key to you and I having good works in our life? And the answer is what? He that believeth on me. And listen, in the same way that you trusted Christ when you were saved, trust him today to do good works in your life. Yes? Don't trust you. Don't trust me. But trust Jesus. He's able to do these things. And he promises to do them. Listen, I'm leaving. I'm going to go be with my Father. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. Praise God for the Holy Ghost. I am going to send the Holy Ghost into your heart, and he's going to change everything. He's going to change the way. You, all of your attitudes are going to be changed when he comes and he lives in your heart. Praise God for that. And because of that, you're going to have power to do these things. You're going to be able to serve me because I will live in you. Again, Jesus means, I mean, Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel, and that means God with us. God with us. And the only thing greater than God with us is God in us. And when you were saved, God came to live within you. And that's, by the way, the difference. The difference between a churchgoer, the difference between a religious person and someone who's truly born again is God doesn't live in a churchgoer, but he does live in someone that's born again. And that's the difference. And that allows us to love one another. That allows us to be kind to one another. That, that allows us to have the fruits of the Spirit at work in our life that we can have these good works in our life. Lastly, lastly, John chapter 21. John chapter 21. And verse 18. Jesus is speaking to Peter. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walked whither thou would. Now, this is funny. Remember, when you were a teenager, picture this. When you were young, you put on your clothes and did what you wanted. Yes, right? When you were young, you put on your clothes, you went and did whatever you wanted to do. But... When thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now what he's talking about is, Peter, you're going to die, and they're going to kill you. They're going to dress you for your crucifixion, and then they're going to kill you. That's what's going to happen. Now but listen, listen, because you say, why tell him this? Why tell him this? So that, so that Peter would know this, and that you would know this. God is, control, is in control of your death. God is in control of your death. You have nothing to fear when you serve God. You will die. You will not be able to do anything about it, but he will. Amen? 
You will not be able to do it. And so he said to Peter, Peter, you're not going to be able to stop this. It's going to happen in your life. But it's okay, Peter. I'm telling you right now what's going to happen. I have complete power. All authority is given to our Lord Jesus Christ. He has power over everything. Again, we could go back, honestly, honestly, just by looking at the verilies, we could go back and we could spend the next, probably the next hour easily just hitting each one of the verily verilies in the book of John and spending any little bit of time on it. It would be a tremendous blessing. Do it for yourself. Look them up. Study the passages. Find out what Jesus says because I promise you what matters is what Jesus says. I hope this helps you. By the way, uh, let, me, uh, let me say this. If this is not true in your life, if you don't have this new life that we're talking about, please be honest. Tell someone. Tell someone that does. Tell someone that can help you to know. Tell me. I'll be glad to help. Tell me. Stop me. In just a moment, we'll be done. I'll be walking around down here, talking to people. Just stop me. Say, Pastor, can I talk to you? Can I talk to you? Because listen, this is the thing I need you to understand. You know, sometimes we give invitations. You know, we ask, we have you bow your head and close your eyes and ask questions. And I, and I don't have a problem with doing that. But what I want you to understand is God wants you to want to. Do you understand? He wants you to want to. Not for me to convince you. He wants you to recognize Jesus is who he says he is. And he says, come and see. So come and see. Ask someone that knows. Say, I, really, I don't think I have this. I really want to have this. And they will be glad to do, just take a Bible and show you more verses that clearly reveal that Jesus is who he says he is.